Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Little Podcast. Before we get into the show, I wanted to talk about our show sponsors real quick. Uh, I'd like to make it quick because I know you're here for the show. But in any case, um, as always, for season two, uh, we have ModDeuceNation.com. They were gracious enough to sponsor the, the second season of the show. So we are eternally grateful to them and all the support that, that ModDeuce has given us. Um, ben and Lindsay are doing an amazing job making some great stuff. Uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, just great clothing all around. Um, but good products, good people. And like I've said before, they've taken the time to uh, already give a lot back to charity. Um, I know Ben and Lindsay are, are doing everything they can to, to give back as much as they can. So if you need some t-shirts, even if you don't need t-shirts, <laughs> go check them out. Uh, they have sweatshirts now too. Um, everything they, they do is, is awesome, but you're supporting a, a good company. And a lot of that, uh, a lot of the money goes back to the community. Um, as Ben and Lindsay are very generous with, uh, with the proceeds from, from Mondeuse Nation. So please check them out. And, uh, our other sponsor for the show is once again, Winfield Watch. Um, Mark is another, uh, another veteran, awesome guy. Uh, his watches are amazing. I bought one myself uh, long before he was on the show, and that's how I was introduced to him. So I'm uh, very supportive of his company, very supportive of his products. Um, you know, as I think you know on the show, we like to uh, we like to promote things that that we like and we think are of value, and you know that a lot of times we use. And uh, Winfield Watch is one of those things. Uh, I'm, I'm a watch guy myself. I think I've talked about that, and I'm very impressed with with the watch itself. I'm impressed with the straps that are included. Uh, even the carrying case that, that comes with it. So good products, good company, good guy. Uh, you really can't go wrong buying a Winfield watch. And they're running a few different promotions right now for the spring. Uh, so please check them out at uh, winfieldwatch.com for the uh, most up-to-date sale. Um, they're also on Instagram at uh, Winfield Watch. Uh, so please support them. Uh, they were generous enough to uh, to support the show. And they, uh, they deserve our support. So uh, before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone that uh, our guest today was generous enough to offer a promo code for his company, and I'll give it a hint. It's a grindopscoffee.com is the name of his company, but uh, please stay tuned to the end of the episode or about the end of the episode for that promo code. Uh, Aaron was gracious enough to to start a, a promo code for us. So thanks for listening. Um, hope you enjoy the show, and we will get into it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hey everybody, welcome back to the uh, Nothing Owed Podcast. You're here with Ben and Brian, as always. And today we have another great guest, um, Aaron Meza uh, from Grind Ops Coffee and also Icon Rifle Works. Um, he has a, a great story, um, how he kind, kind of fell into his new businesses, kind of as a, not necessarily an accident, but um, he kind of ended up taking a path he, he didn't expect. So he's got a great story, uh, great background, uh, super good dude, uh, and he makes some great products. But we'll uh, we'll definitely get into that uh, later in the episode. But uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, we've had a chance to talk to Aaron for a little bit, and uh, we're really impressed with everything he's doing, and really impressed with uh, with who he is as a person and everything else. So that's why he's on the show because uh, we like to promote people that uh, that we like, and obviously promote products that are worthwhile and uh, good quality stuff. Uh, so he hits all the, the right boxes. So we'll get into his story here in a second. But uh, before we do, as always, I want to turn it over to Ben so we can check in, see how he's doing. And then uh, we'll get talking to Aaron. So, Ben. Oh, yeah. Good, good. Um, man, the listeners are in for a treat today. 
Um, Aaron is a, has a, an extraordinary story. Um, I, you know, everything that we talk about week in and week out on this, on this show, um, he, he, he is the epitome of that. Um, you know, somebody that's sitting around has, and I won't spoil the story, but, you know, was stuck in a situation and had a big decision to make and, you know, put his big boy pants on, grabbed himself by the bootstraps and made that decision. So, uh, it, it's going to be a treat. It's going to be a good ride. He's a, he's a great guy. He's, like I said, we've talked to him a couple times now and, um, he seems like somebody I want to go down and hit the range with. Yep. Uh, but, uh, anyway, let's get to it. He's, he's, he's gonna, it's going to be a good one. Exactly. So Aaron, I'll turn it over to you. Um, this is your show. So let's, um, let's hear your story. Uh, and we definitely want to hear about uh, grind ops coffee, but, um, before we get into that, I'd like to hear a little bit about kind of your background and maybe where you got started. Um, you know, maybe tell us how you uh, kind of got set on your your path and how you got started on your career. Um, you know, just uh, talk us through that and, and we'll get started. So Sounds good. Hey, well, thanks for having me on here, guys. And I hope everybody uh, gets a good uh, story here and hopefully somebody can take something from it. Oh, they will for sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess we can just go back a little bit. To when I was a kid, I suppose. Uh, I'm the youngest of uh, four siblings. Um, you know, I was always a very quiet, shy kid, never really kind of always went with the flow, never really uh, middle of the pack kind of guy, you know, 80s throughout my, you know, schools. I never was a A student or, or a C student. I was perfectly fine being a B student. Um, I've always been real intrigued with uh, taking apart things. Uh, like reverse engineering, never since I was a kid, that was one thing that I would do. I would take apart Walkmans and stuff like that just to learn how it functioned, um, which, you know, I still do that to this day. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I do the same thing. Just, I just I just do it a lot quicker if I get angry. Throw <laughs> it against yeah. the wall. Yeah. It, with yeah. a hammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Xbox made a lot of money off of me with the Xbox controllers, but that's a yeah. another episode. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. We're going to have to have an Xbox intervention one of these days. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm past it now. I'm past it now. Okay. All right. Well, for so, now. Sort of. You know, all my friends that were taking apart Walkmans were making uh, prison style tattoo uh, guns. You know, oh yeah, there you yeah, go. Doing I, doing I, ink back in the day. I never got that creative. Uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> I had a buddy in high school that literally took a Walkman and turned it into like a motor to make like a makeshift tattoo like, machine. Tattoo machine, and that's was, crazy. He was not a very good artist. Uh, could not <laughs> give a tattoo very well, but he sure as heck made it. Uh, you know, I was trying to sell tattoos in high school, but. <laughs> funny. Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll I'll clap for him for you know that ingenuity there. Yeah, I don't know where that guy is now. I don't know where he's at. Probably in prison doing tattoos. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> still taking yeah. apart Walkmans. Yeah. So you're uh, from Aaron. Before we get going, the listeners yeah. need to know you're from from the great state of Texas, correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. Born uh, and deep, bred. Born and bred. I was born and uh, raised in Brownsville, Texas, which is, if you look at the map, it's the very tip of Texas. Jeez, um, Brownsville is, uh, yeah, that's the end of the road, right? That's, that's the end correct. of the map. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I now live in McAllen, Texas, where uh, I work and I have my company space out of. Um, and uh, I, it's, it's about 60 miles or so from, from my hometown, so it's not too bad. 
Um, but um, it's a for me, it's a great place to live. Um, could it be better? Yes, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I don't know, man. Texas sounds better and better every single day. Yeah, that's well. I I, I wouldn't know. I already live here, so yeah. For those yeah. that don't, <laughs> come hang out. Come hang out with Brian. Well, let's not get into this. Oh. Let, I'm gonna let you tell your story. We're not gonna get on California's case California. today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, so, yeah. Let's go. So yeah, you, yeah so you're in high school. No, you're, you're you have a, a mind of of ingenuity and then I interrupted you. So go from there. <laughs> no, yeah. So, you know, uh, I even went to college for a little bit, um, studied, uh, engineering. Uh, I was actually pretty done good at it, but I couldn't pass psychology or, you know, uh, these other basic classes to save my life. Um, not because I'm dumb. It's just, it didn't interest me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know all that out there. <laughs> Um, I, it just, I just had no interest in it. Uh, you know, um, so, you know, I basically failed out of college. Um, and I was kind of, uh, left with dead end jobs here and there. I would do, um, I actually uh, played around in uh, car audio for a little bit. Uh, actually, I still do it. I, I actually do enjoy it as a hobby. Um, and I did that for a few years. Um, and then, you know, that's when I kind of really got the bug to join law enforcement and, you know, do something more, kind of serve your community, your country, do something that was, you know, meaningful, I suppose. Um, and how old were you at that time? How old were you when you made that I decision? I was 22. Okay. When, you know, actually, no, let me rephrase that. I was about 20, 21 when I started applying for the uh, federal jobs. Okay. Um, and then there was a big hiring freeze. Um, so, you know, it took me forever to actually get hired. Uh, I didn't actually get hired till I was 23. Okay. Um, it was a long, tedious process. It's been streamlined now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot different now, but you know, I, um, I have some experience with the government, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I went into uh, CBP, uh, customs and border protection, down here at the uh, in the southern border or southern uh, Texas border, um, and uh, I mean, what else can I say? It, it was everything I was looking for, you know, at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, great camaraderie. There was great. I met. I've met great people. I've made really good friends. Um, and, and you know, we all had very similar uh, ideas and the mindset. We all wanted it to to serve our country, basically. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and what, what year was that you started at the border? If you don't mind. Uh, Two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah. And um, so yeah, you know, and the first thing that I did when I first joined was, you know, I, I kind of saw how everything worked and uh, being a go getter. I was. It really changed my personality, if, if that makes any sense. Um, I was very comfortable with being a B student. You know, like I said in in, in high school and all growing up. Once I got into this career, it was like, oh, like, I, 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 I could actually pretty, be pretty good at this job. Let's just call it that, you know. Um, definitely my, my drive just, you know, blew up. I was like, I, I wanted to be the best that I could be, basically. Um, and, yeah, so I set myself some, career, some you know, career-oriented goals. Um, one of them was to uh, be a canine handler uh, 
you have to apply to be a cana handler, um, but you have to obviously prove yourself that you're worth <laughs> being a cana handler. It's not like they're just gonna you apply and they give it to you. Um, like what percentage of so so you go through your academy, you get your posting down there. Um, like what percentage of your force is handles dogs, works with dogs? Okay, just to kind of I don't know the percentage, but I can give you a, a good perspective. There's a approximately in in the whole country for CBP, it's about a twenty five thousand uh, officers. Uh-huh. Jeez. Uh huh. Uh handlers in the whole country is about five hundred. Oh, so it's, yes. that's a, I can't do math either. I am right. dumb. I am I am dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you said you're not, but no. that's a low percentage. I know that. Yeah, it's a very exactly. So just now, just getting selected doesn't mean that you're actually going to become a canine handler. You still have to go through the whole school process and pass that. How how long is the school for that? Um, it was it's a uh, nine weeks. I don't know. I can't remember if it was eight or nine weeks. I, I want to say it was nine weeks. Um, I went back in 2011. So, uh, and okay, this, I do know this percentage, it was a 40% pass rate. Oh, oh, that's, yeah. that's close to, um, some of the military higher end schools. So like yeah. ranger school and, and that kind of thing. It, it was a very tough school. Let me tell you that you were stressed out the whole time. Um, I mean, now I can look back and laugh and say it was good times, but it was not yeah. good times when, when you're going through it. That's how it always is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, so if, were you always a dog person or? Yes. Oh, that okay. Is correct. Right. Yes. That was, uh, I, I was raised uh, with a lot of animals, not just dogs, uh, cats, dogs. Uh, we had a turtle, duck. Uh, I mean, we lived in the city, so you, you don't really have that kind of stuff, but we did. Um so yeah, that we've always been raised with a lot of animals, and I, I love animals. Um, so when I got to really see how dogs work in that environment, I was like, oh, I definitely want to be a canine handler. You know, that was definitely a, a big uh, goal that I set for myself. Um, and again, you know, I got there and I I, I passed the canine school. Uh, again, very difficult uh, school, and you know, when you graduate, it's funny because the uh, the instructors come up to you and they're like, hey, nothing personal, but welcome to the brotherhood. You know, it's like, you just want to punch them in the face. Because <laughs> <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> they rode you, you know, all those weeks. And, um, you know, you see people being sent home uh, because they, they couldn't pass or whatever. And, you know, the first day of class, uh, the director walked into class and he says, uh, he said something, you know, uh, just because you're here doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to go home with the dog. Uh, if you're here just cause you're uh, you know, you want a, uh, a better position, he goes, we're going to weed you out and you're not going to make it through this course. And uh, that That's was a big eye. That was like the very first thing that they told us as soon as we got there. <laughs> so, That's crazy. So, they, yeah. so in that school, I mean, they, that really is like a military selection. Like they were really trying to, to weed out people yes. that shouldn't be there that shouldn't be there correct it's interesting yeah and they would do this weird thing where <clears throat> every week or every so many days they'll say hey take out your pencil pop quiz and you're like oh crap um and they're like this quiz is not going to go against you we're like uh okay so but it's so funny because the guys that would fail those quizzes were the ones that didn't make it through the course now i know as a you know uh, i'm a you know uh, 
been a handler for a long time. I know that what they were doing, they just wanted to see how involved you really were. You know, if you were studying on your off time, you know, versus just kind of waiting to the very end to study and then take the test. You know, it was kind of, it was a very interesting process. Like I said, I can look back now and say, oh, okay. But when you were going through it, it was not fun. Um, hmm. it, and obviously, it's, there's a lot more to it than that. It was, you know, your handling skills and um, it, your coordination really, if you didn't have that, if you looked like you were fumbling or anything like that, oh, yeah, you, you were done. So yeah, I knew some, uh, I knew some SOG guys that were, uh, that were dog handlers and mm -hmm. they said the same thing. They said that it was almost as difficult as the qualification, the Q course, um, to get their beret, you know, it was, yeah. and, and it does, it takes, you know, not every, not every operations operate, you know, not every operator right. Right. can just go be a dog handler. It's a very select few. Yes. And that's kind of, you know, that was the one thing that they were always trying to drive home was just because you got selected does not mean you're going to be a handler. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the one of the things like, uh, you know, kind of being a hothead that I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, man, these instructors would really, really push the, uh, the, uh, the envelope on what they would tell you. And you just either wanted to punch them in the face or something, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm in the back of my mind, it's like, you can go home with the dog, you know, go, you know, prove everybody wrong, you know, that you're, cause they would say, you're not going to pass. They would tell me that I wasn't going to pass because I'm a hothead. Right. And I'd be like, so in the back of my mind, I was like, no, I'm not going to let them win. Yeah. yeah. Keep my cool. And I'm going to prove these guys wrong that I can control my, my temper basically. And, and, and uh, go back with the dog. That was just, that was honestly, that was the thing that got me through it to be completely honest. Uh, was just that I'm not going to let them win. So you, you mentioned that you mentioned to us that you, you ended up working with, um, uh, I don't know the word you use, but a dog that nobody else wanted to work with that. So, yes. I, so, yeah, that, so let me get this straight. They, they hooked the hot head officer <laughs> up with the hot head dog. Is that what happened? Basically? Yes. <laughs> and it's so funny because, um, when we were work, when we were still doing uh, training, um, you know, my dog and I would butt heads a lot, and we still do. I have him at home, but we. Um, he, I heard the instructor say, "It's so funny how they're very similar." And I just looked at him. I was like, "I think he's an asshole." So, what are they trying to say about me? What, what's your what's the what's the dog's name? George. George just got yeah. called puppy. George just got called an asshole on. He's on not a puppy. puppy. <laughs> That's funny. He, he was the biggest dog in our kennel facility. Uh, what, kind, what what kind of dog is he? Uh, German Shepherd. Okay, all right. Is yeah. it, are most of your dogs? I, I don't know the breeds. I know I could point um, them out, but are they? No, are they, we have a, a good mix like of Belgians, uh, right? Yes, yeah, we have Belgian Malinois. We have uh, Labs. Um, we have a good mix of, of a little bit about of everything but yeah you typically do see more pointy pointy-eared dogs which are the shepherds and the, and the uh, Belgian Malinois yeah okay um, yeah uh, do some of those do some of those dogs are they used for different purposes or are they all trained to do the same same job for us we have two dis two different disciplines uh one of them is narcotics and human fine so I you know the uh, for like let's say concealed uh, aliens, illegal aliens and stuff like that, right. uh, and narcotics, and then we also have the different discipline, which is uh, 
currency and firearms. So oh, they wow. mainly, yeah, they mainly work for the vehicles going into Mexico versus I work with the vehicles coming into the U.S. So the vehicles leaving the U.S., th- these guys work out there, and that's what they're looking for, money and weapons. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because, yeah, dope comes in, money and, and weapons go out. <laughs> that's kind of how we say it. So just, that's interesting. So what is the actual, um, I mean, I know weapons are a serious issue in Mexico, but on the U.S. side, what, what's the, what is the reasoning behind looking for guns? Like what is the actual crime that they're committing, t- taking guns and cash? It's, it's illegal to take, uh, Mexico, you, you can't own certain firearms. Right. Uh, so uh, the way we, we get it is failure to declare. Okay. So if you fail to declare that you're transporting a weapon into Mexico, that's how Cust- we seize it. Yes. C- customs issue. Yeah. That is correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean. So in America, we have the Second Amendment, so we can all have those crazy firearms. And in Mexico, they don't have the Second Amendment, and only, only the drug cartels get crazy firearms, right? Right. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. And they, and they, and, and yeah, a lot of them do come from i mean a lot of them come from different countries obviously for mexico but you know you have every once in a while people coming to purchase weapons here in the u.s and then I try bet. To to mexico. yeah so that's kind of their job is those dogs are out there are, are looking for that stuff that's cool so how yeah. long okay so you were you were how many years in this in the um as an officer were you when you uh, went to I, the training oh uh shit Less than three years. I got selected pretty per, pretty early on, um, and uh, yeah, that was like I said, it was I I put in, you know, and I was like, ah, I probably won't get it because I'm still a, considered a rookie. A rookie, okay. Yeah, and all of a sudden I see my name on there. I'm like, I got an email, and I'm like, Are you serious? Like, is this is somebody playing a joke on me or something? But um, no, uh, I apparently I had giving myself a good reputation you know um as far as always work and always uh looking for dope and that was you know canine more importantly if you want to be a canine hunter, they want to know if you can work independently without supervision that's oh, really interesting the, yeah. yeah yeah that's really because you know now you're in charge of a, a, a living breathing thing which is a dog so they don't want to be on you you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, that was that was one of the reasons, or I, I really don't know the reasons, but I hope that that was a good reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that right. I got selected, yeah. So you um, passed the school, and then yeah. you get assigned a dog, and then yes. and then you started working the border. Um, right. In Brown, were you in Brownsville working? No, no, I've oh. been in, in McAllen. McAllen, uh, my entire oh, yeah. career. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, um, you know, and so I set... I, I, I attained that goal, right? Being a canine handler. All right, now what's next, you know? Yeah, what's um, the next evolution? What are we doing? Right. And yeah. my thing was, uh, so when you first joined the, the, the agency, you hear this award called the Blue Eagle Award. It's a very prestigious award. Um, it's only given out very selectively. Um, and so everybody kind of always wants one, you know, but little do they know that it, it takes the hard it takes hard work to get it <laughs> you know um it, you know like i said they don't just hand them out to anybody um 
So, yeah, uh, you know, I went through through my canine career. I went through my first dog, George, uh, learning, learning how to be a canine handler, because it's not just because you go to school, you're a good handler. Like you got to be out in the field and uh, your dog really does different things than what he did in training. So now you have to, you know, adapt to him and the your surrounding environments um, and he ended, I ended up retiring him early because he developed hip dysplasia. Oh. Uh, yeah, he's a big dog. He, he's yeah. a big boy. So he, uh, he ended up having hip dysplasia. I retired him in 2015. Yeah. And I got my second dog. Uh, I, and that was a Belgian Malinois. Okay. Yeah. And man, her and I were just on fire. I mean, from day one, we, we, we bonded very well. We, we were... I mean, we were just catching dope left and right. I mean, unstoppable, basically, you know. Uh, and we ended up going to this, uh, to this. Uh, it's a Texas police canine competition. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like a bunch of different police agencies from all over Texas show go and, you know, they do this competition thing. Um, so it was, I think, it was 70 or 80 different police agencies that were there. And uh, her and I actually won grand champion. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Talk about a big, I mean, it was a, for me, that was like unbelievable. You know what I mean? That was just crazy because, I mean, I thought we did good. You know what I mean? (laughs) But that good. I even had one of the press people come up to me that they were there and they said, hey, this was before I even knew I won. they go up to me and they go, hey, we wanted to come shake the hand of the bearded guy. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, okay. Right? Like, I, I didn't know what that meant. Right? right. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh, it's because the uh, judges were talking about you. And I was like, well, I hope it was good. You know, because, <laughs> and she's like, you know, he, you know, he kind of came up to me and he said, no, he, they were talking really, really highly of you. And I was like, oh, man, I mean, like I said, I thought I did decent, but, um, yeah, when they announced everybody, they said my name for grand champion, you know, I was really, you know, just thinking about it. I, I would have never imagined that. Um, That's very cool. Keep in mind that, that in that time frame, I was very stressed um, at work, um, butting heads a lot with management. Um, again, I've told you that I'm a hothead. Um, and... I, it was just one of those things where it was just always something different. You know, they would nitpick the dumbest things. Um, hey, your beard is uh, one quarter of an inch too long. Like, you know, stuff Wait, like that. were you in the army or the customs? No, customs. <laughs> hey, I'm, nah, I'm, I'm being facetious. Yeah. That's it, exactly the same. Man, stuff and it was hear. just one thing. Like one time, you know, they're like, hey, uh, Meza, you by far have the dirtiest boots here. And I'm like, you know, I've been working, right? Like, you see me nonstop. <laughs> oh, man. So one oh, time, one time I, I was stationed at Fort Hood down mm-hmm. your way. And uh, I was a section sergeant in a scout platoon. And we literally were, we were, uh, we were out training out in the sticks, you know, out. I yep. mean, Fort, Fort Hood's huge. So we, we yep. were in the field. We were totally camoed out, conducting full-blown training. This is after 9-11. We're on alert. Right. Um, and uh, apparently we were the, the, 
the duty platoon for brigade headquarters, which means you got to come cut the grass, clean the toilets, that mm. kind of stuff. Right. And so I, my radio man goes, Hey, he goes, Hey, Sergeant Woodbury he goes, Hey, we got a call from brigade. It's the brigade staff duty. I go, what that? Okay. You know, and they said, Hey, you guys are the duty platoon. We have a general coming in. Uh, we need you to come cut the grass and, and uh, paint the rocks red and white so that the, so that it looks like the flag on the rocks. Right. I said, you know, I was, I'm on the radio going, wait a minute, you know, we're like two and a half hours away from post. We're out here yeah. getting ready to go to war and, right. and you want us to come cut the grass. And yep. So I said, oh, stand by, we'll be in. So we, we drove in right to brigade headquarters and our Humvees pulled up in the parking lot. They're all covered in camo nets. We got ammo hanging off, you know, we're all covered in camo. Nobody has right. headgear. We have helmets. People are, you know, and then they started yelling at me because we were in camo and headgear, you know, like the way we were dressed. Right. And, uh, and so we get done, we're working and this, the brigade, the brigade, uh, some general and, you know, his entourage come up and our brigade commander and the brigade uh, staff duty people were walking by and they kind of gave us the nod. And lo and behold, the sergeant major that was walking with the um, with the general uh, and their and his staff officer were went to Bosnia with me out of Germany. And it, I hadn't seen him in a few years. And the guy stops and he, he says, hey, sergeant, come here. And he. He said, why, you know, he goes, you're the same Sergeant Woodbury that, you know, were you private Woodbury in Germany, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, oh, it's me. I remember you. And it was like a scene from uh, Heartbreak Ridge. The guy goes, uh, so why, why are you guys all camoed up? I go, well, they had us come in to paint the rocks for your little meeting. <laughs> and the general looks at me and starts, I mean, he couldn't hold it back. He just starts laughing. He goes, so wait, you guys are out at the the back 40? I said, oh, yeah, sir. We were, yeah, but we want to make sure when you walk down the sidewalk, the grass is straight. And my brigade commander just stared at me. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, and it, and then I got called on the carpet, you know, yep. the, the the next day. Like, Absolutely. hey, I heard, you, yeah. I heard you were talking smack to the, yeah. to the brigade commander. I said, no, he made himself look like an idiot. But yeah. anyway, yep. same yep. stuff, man. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was like that for me almost every single day, man. And there was this one chief. Um, I don't know why he just didn't like me. You know, he's just had it probably, out for me. He probably couldn't grow a nice beard. I don't know. And, and I'll give you a story about that too. The same chief um, about my beard. So <clears throat> that day of that competition, you know, I'm still, I'm in cloud, you know, man, I'm, I'm excited and all my buddies are excited. And I was supposed to work that night. I was supposed to go in at midnight. <clears throat> and so one of my other buddies tells the chief, he goes, hey, chief, give him the day off. Like, dude, he just fucking won grand champion, dude. Like, let's go celebrate. And he didn't say anything. He just kind of walked off and he's like, man, eh, whatever. I'll, I'll go into work, right? So I'm walk we're walking out and he turns around. And he goes, hey, man, I'm to turn around. And we're all like excited thinking that he's going to say, you know, don't go into work. He goes, make sure you're, you trim your beard before you show up to work tonight. Oh, wow. I'm holding trophies in my hand, and this guy tells me this, you know? Now did, did you get that award for winning that competition? The award, the, what did you call it, the Blue Eagle? No, no, that's for uh, – that. I'll get into that here in a minute. Oh, no, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, but I'm holding my trophies, you know, uh, and this guy tells me that. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, 
needless to say, I went home, slept like two hours and went to work anyway. Because, again, that's just how I am. And, you know, um, I could have easily just gone to celebrate with my brother, with my with my friends, you know, but uh, I wasn't going to be like that. Um, and, yeah, so that same year, uh, I get an, e- uh, get an email from somebody in admin. They're saying, hey, uh, you're invited to Laredo. Uh, that's where our main headquarters for our sector is. I said, for what? They're like, I don't know. They're just requesting you make sure you wear your your uh, your class one uniform. I was like, I don't have a class one uniform. <laughs> that lets that's like, a, that. that's like a, tr- a dress uniform? Yes, that's yeah, your, yeah. your, your yeah, dress okay. uniform. You know, you, the little campaign hat and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so I, I'm trying to find out what this is for because I'm like, I don't really want to go. Like, I, I'm not that, I'm not one of those, like, I'm not going to go rub elbows with people. I don't, I, I'm, I'm more useful out here working than, you know, it's some ceremony. Um, and they finally told me, they're like, Hey man, you, uh, they called me into, to some media and they said, Hey, you, uh, you actually got a Blue Eagle award. So, you know, I was like, it, at the, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, for what, you know? And they told me what, what it was for. And I said, okay, well, I remember that the whole incident. And uh, it was a bus that came in from Mexico um, that uh, they asked me to run the dog on it. And I did. And my dog alerted to the back wall or to the back area of the bus. And it was around two o'clock in the morning and I didn't want to let it go. I was like, man, my dog just doesn't want to want to, you know, he's giving me a good alert. I'm very confident with my dog that, you know, I didn't want to let it go. We ran it through x-ray. X-ray didn't catch anything. So the supervisor naturally says, you know, x-ray says nothing, let it go. We can only keep a, a vehicle for so long before people start questioning. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going not gonna to release it or whatever. I, and I didn't. I kept at it. So I asked him, hey, man, can I, can I drill? And he says, no, negative, like deny your, your permission because we can drill certain parts of vehicles because um, sometimes, you know, this, these narcotics are contained within, like, like I said, the walls or like in the frame right, of the vehicle. Right. Like they're very well hidden. They're not just like in a bag thrown there. They're, they're very well hidden. Um, so he told me, no, denied. Well, I, I ended up doing it anyway. Uh, so you were drilling the, in my the gut instinct. Yeah, my gut instinct right. told me to do it, you know? I was like, I waited for the supervisor to walk off and I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, one guy ended up getting, one officer is like, nah, I don't want to be involved with this. So he ended up getting off the bus. Uh, but uh, I ended up doing it. And sure enough, I, I, you know, it was right where my dog told me it was. Um, it was about 80 kilos of heroin. Jeez. Oh, man. Uh, What's the street value on? Oh, that? I, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, it's a lot. I, I believe it was. The biggest seizure, the heroin seizure in Texas, I believe. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so that's kind of why they were also giving me this award, this Blue Eagle Award. Is it was a significant seizure. You have to be a, it's called like an exemplary officer. So you have to, you kind of get vetted before you even, before you, they even consider you. So it goes through like the local level, and then it goes all the way up to the you know chain of command, all the way up in D.C., and then they make a decision whether you qualify for for this uh, award or not. Was this the highest? It, it's it's a very prestigious. It's there's there's several of them up there high. I don't want to call it the highest, but there are oh. there are several that are 
I guess around the same level, and they're all pretty much the highest ones. Uh, oh, wow. They don't like That's... I said they don't they don't give them out very often. Um, you really have to earn it. Um, so, and people were like, "Oh man, that was awesome!" I was like, "Dude, I was just doing my job," you know. Like I would have done that regardless. I I didn't do it for any kind of recognition, and that is the truth, you know. Um, I, I mean, I'm 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 honored that somebody would want to give me that, you know. Well, most you know most people don't do it for the exactly yeah it, it, yeah. And so again, like that, th- this is all happening within the 2015 year, uh, 2016, 2015, 2016, I'm sorry. And, and it was right after that, I, I kept telling my wife that I needed a vacation. I was just so stressed. I, 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 I just going to work was, you know, I worked when I was at work, you know what I mean? Like but when I was there, I would give it my 110%, but it was just dreadful. I just didn't want to go through, through through all the little nonsense. It was more like, leave me alone. Let me work. You know, but obviously you you work for the government. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know some people, I know some people that work for the government and, and a lot of jobs, that's the last thing they want you to do is actually you do your job. Exactly. Unfortunately. Right. So, yeah. So, um, that was 2016 and I was just kind of, go- and I kept telling my wife, like I said, I need a vacation, but not like going somewhere. I just need to mentally check out, you know? So, uh, and it's funny how, how God answers your prayers, you know? Um, cause this, uh, January 1st of 2017, I went to a shooting competition. Actually, let me back up a little bit. Prior, all this time, 2015, 2016, that's when I got into competitive shooting as well. Um, Because it was kind of like a way to disconnect from work. That was like my therapy, basically. Had you been been like a uh, recreational shooter before? Or was this something? Yeah, just recreational. You know, I like guns. I mean, you're from Texas. (laughs) Why, you better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're raised from, with guns. <laughs> um, no, but you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah I was a recreational shooter. And then I just kind of got into the competitive shooting. Um, but, and then I found it to be therapeutic. I, I met a lot of great people that, from different demographics. What I really enjoyed about it uh, was that there weren't a lot of law enforcement people shooting in competitions. So when I would go to work, I mean to shoot, I'm sorry, we never talked about work. So it was like a right. perfect way to just escape. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So to me, that was just like, you know, just awesome that we just go and, and have fun, basically bro it up, you know, just a bunch of dudes just shooting, having fun. Um, and, but, you know, again, you know, you can't hide stress no matter what you do to, to, to kind of, you know, battle that. So January 1st comes around. I'm at a shooting competition in a freak accident. I'm not going to name the holster company, but my hand was nowhere near the gun. Uh, I take a step. Uh, the round goes off. While it was in the holster? Yes. Yeah. It's a comp- competition holster, so okay. it's a little bit different than a regular holster. Let me just okay. kind of put it to you that way. Um, and Jeez. Yeah. A 40 cal bullet traveling down your thigh shattering the oh knee. yes <laughs> so it, it hit your it hit your oh. knee you said yeah it shattered my knee i have six permanent screws right now was it a um was it a hollow point or was it just a ball round no it was not that was probably a good thing that was a very good thing that it wasn't a hollow point 
Oof. Oh, so you had, tar- you had target competition ammo in there. Yes, correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, nonetheless. Man. So, yeah. so when you're doing the competition, that's a hip for our listeners. That's a hip. It's a hip holster, correct? Yes, correct. All right. Just yeah, so our it, listeners it, 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 can picture that. That you know. Yeah, the the gun is in the holster, and um, and again, it's not a typical holster. It kind of just holds on to the trigger guard. It's kind of meant for like speed uh, shooting. Is that yeah? Are you are you talking about like one of those? I think I know what you're talking about. Is it one of those holsters that's kind of mostly open? It just yes, kind of barely yes. attached to the the belt mm-hmm. type thing. Okay. Yes, and it's it only attaches to the trigger guard. Okay. Yeah. So. There's a very little bit of room there, and it's just enough to engage your trigger if you have Jeez. a really light trigger. Yeah. So um, yeah. So for the listeners, it's not like um, like Tombstone OK Corral where you're <laughs> having to like pull it out <laughs> of a, no. a holster and shoot. It's something that allows you to have it on your hip. The the horn goes off, and you can quickly disengage, but your trigger. And so you're for people that don't know anything about guys that love guns you know making a sensitive trigger especially for somebody that's doing it in competition is you know it's gonna he aaron, it's ideal yeah aaron probably has the most sensitive trigger so the pound the pound per square inch that it takes for your finger to pull the the trigger when you're in competition especially you want that to be as least uh, resistance as possible for for those of you out there that are listening that are going what the, why does he have a different trigger why is it yeah. just this weird holster it's um you know go out you're and get your tri- go out and get your trigger fixed if you're just a <laughs> brand new gun owner but for aaron his trigger was probably like you blow on it and it yeah, it yeah what, what kind of gun were you, what kind of gun were you shooting it's a uh, sti okay. uh, 2011 Ooh. um Yes. down your thigh a sti <laughs> yep oh it, my legs are aching right yeah. now like man you know you have no idea uh believe it or not that wasn't the hard, the most painful part um the painful part was afterwards which was you know after surgery um, oh, thank god you were at a competition though i mean so you got immediate <laughs> first aid and yes yes i always carry a tourniquet oh so, yeah yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I called my buddy. I yelled at him, obviously. I mean, everybody knew what had happened, you know, so everybody's kind of running. But I told him, bring me my backpack, you know, and he, I had a tourniquet and we put it on. And, um, and then, you know. Another tip, a- another tip for our listeners, whether you're out hunting in a, in a bird blind or in a deer stand, your backpack or your fanny pack should always have a, uh, I forget the levels, but a tourniquet. tourniquet they have them, yeah. Go online, Google gunshot yes. wound tourniquet. Mm-hmm. They're tiny. They're super light. Um, they have self-applying ones. That's mm-hmm. the one you want. Yeah. Um, you know, where you can use your teeth and your other arm or yes. whatever. But um, you should, I mean, gun safety, gun safety, gun safety. Yeah. I, and obviously Aaron would agree with us. He had yeah, an incident. Absolutely. But, well. The trick, the yeah. trick is you got to buy one, but you got to know how to use it because a tourniquet yeah, yes, it's absolutely. more yeah, difficult to use than people realize. So buy one, but understand how it works. Don't just buy it and throw it in your bag. Yeah, they, yeah honestly, you can go to just Google it and um, make sure you get the self-applying ones because you have the ones – they have great ones out there, but it's more for like a medic putting it on. And if you try to put it on yourself, 
you're gonna have a, yeah you're not gonna stop the blood flow but uh, man i don't want to interrupt the story <laughs> keep going no 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 yeah so you know um i'm the whole time i'm laying on the ground right with this tourniquet on my leg um i was like oh man i was supposed to take my wife to the movies you know how I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking right oh. <laughs> that was actually what was going on. I'm like, well, you know, we could probably still make the movie if we, they get me to the hospital pretty quickly. Um, so, <laughs> what movie uh, was it? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, you know, that was that uh, matters. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> it was a. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think it was like a, a chick flick. You know, oh. I didn't want to watch. Right. Yeah. No. Not. Worth now it. I think I know why that trigger <laughs> accidentally went off. <laughs> now the serious, story's yeah. coming off. Aaron shot himself yeah. in the leg, so he didn't I mean, have to go watch a, a rom com. Your wife's right. not gonna listen to this. So you can tell us the truth. You know what happens. <laughs> so, um, you know, the the medics get there, and uh, the guy's like, "Hey, you want some pain meds?" And I'm like, "No, nah, I'm all right." And I, I really was okay. I mean, obviously, you have adrenaline and all kinds of, you know, um, you, things going running through your body. But I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. It felt like somebody just hit me with a bat, if you've ever gotten hit with a bat. <laughs> I actually have. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, it, it does hurt. I'm not going to say it didn't hurt. Um, but not what I imagine a gunshot would be like. Uh, I guess it's probably where it was, if that makes any sense. Um Yeah. Yeah. Well, your body, your body probably went into shock a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, funny, funny story. The medic gets there. I have that tourniquet. I'm pulling it with one hand and my other finger, I wrapped it in gauze and I stuck it in the bullet hole in, (sighs) you know, in my leg. So he's just looking at me like, all right, well, uh, let me take that (laughs) out for you. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, Cool times. Um, we get there or they get me in the ambulance and, and I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, brother, is there any way you can stop at Burger King? Because uh, I'm starving, you know. And I, I really was hungry. Um, and he's like, no, nah, we can't we can't stop, man. You're going to go into surgery. I'm like, well, whatever. But well, let me call my wife. So, uh, hey, I'm like, hey, I'm going to the hospital. I took a gunshot. She's like, shut up. And I'm like, no, I'm being serious. Like, here's the medic. And he's like, man, we're taking him to the hospital. He's like, she gives me back, you know, the phone. And she's like are you serious? I'm like, do you really think I'm joking about this? She's like, well, you're laughing. And I was like, yeah, I'm laughing because it's just a shitty situation. What else do you want me to do? You know, um, I wasn't yelling. I wasn't, you know, uh, unconscious or anything like that. You know, I was completely, I knew everything that was going on. Um, so yeah, uh, I went into surgery, come out. And that night I, I developed this thing called the compartment syndrome. Oh. Uh, that is tough. Let me tell you that. Let me tell you right now, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, and, and What is that? I've never heard of basically, that. Basically, uh, what happens is your tissue begets, uh, it still thinks that it's, uh, 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 what is it called? Uh, God damn it. It's like it just gets so swollen that it stops the blood from flowing any further. Yeah, it causes nerve causes nerve damage inside yes. a muscle compartment. Yes. Yeah, there's increased pressure from blood flow, which then causes nerve damage. Wow. Yeah. And you know, I would tell the nurse, she's like, I'm like, hey man, I'm in a lot of pain. She's like, Well, you sustained a gunshot. I'm like, no, no, I know that part. I'm not, you know, here just because I want to be here, but it, this this is different. So finally, after yelling at the uh nurse a couple times, uh 
I'm she I'm pretty sure she doesn't like me. <laughs> uh, they finally got the uh, ER doctor to go see me, and he's like, they said, call his surgeon now. His he you know so my surgeon gets there about two in the morning. He still has he's got bedhead. He's like, what's going on, Aaron? Go, well, it feels like an elephant sitting on my leg. So he, you know, he unwraps my leg and he's like, all right, you're going into emergency surgery. Your our worst case scenario just happened. You, oh, you, know, you have compartment syndrome. So he's, you know, he walks out, he makes a bunch of phone calls to get me in surgery. He comes back in, he's looking at me and he's like, Aaron, how do you feel about losing a limb? You know, and without even flinching, I just looked at my wife and my wife's face was, you know, shocked, obviously, like this, you know, our world just got turned upside down, you know. Um, I just looked at the doctor and I said, doc, you know, do what you got to do. I'll overcome whatever you throw at me. Um, there was no time to second guess things, you know, and why I have that attitude of, well, hold on, let me think about it. No, you can't, you know, it's, you got to be decisive and, 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 you know, run with it. So they ended up taking out some dead cells and stuff like that. Um, it's not too bad, but I mean, my leg looks a little deformed, but. You know, the best way I can say it is there's a lot, there's a people out there that have it way worse than I do. Um, it was 97 stitches altogether. Holy hell. Yeah, they had to slice me open and they had these uh, vacs that suck out the blood. So, you know, um, it's not a pretty, it's not a fun experience, let me tell you that. Um, and, you know, my thing was, the whole time was, I, I just didn't want any negative, any negativity, you know, just, Hey, I'm going to get back to walking. And my doc would look at me like Aaron, like if you get to walk again, that'd be a freaking miracle. And I just told him, all right, doc, you know, we'll see about that. Um, and you know, it was tough. Let me tell you that you find out real quick that your house is not equipped for handicapped, uh, <laughs> uh, a, a handicapped person, you know, cause I had to be in a wheelchair. Um, and uh, how long were you in a wheelchair? Approximately two and a half months or so. Wow. Uh, I was going to therapy three times a week. Um, so we got it down to, to about two and a half months. And then, you know, you, you, you realize real quick that, that your, you, your leg or any, let me rephrase that, you, your body forgets how to do things. Like just move your leg. We take it for granted. I had to reteach my entire leg how to do everything. It's it was a very very long process. Um, how did they deal with that at your at, as an officer? Um, honestly, I had leave. I had enough leave, um, so I just took my leave and I said, "Hey, I'll be back when I'm back." You know? Mm, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I I submitted the paperwork that they needed to that they needed from my doctor to prove that. <laughs> I was incapable of going to work, but I think it was pretty obvious. You know what I mean? And how long, how long from injury and surgery to recovery? Well, I, I was able to walk on my own, um, in April, about mid April or so, but not able to work from January. Yeah. So four months wow. in a chair. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, 
you should have seen me the first day I took my first steps without my walker, man. It was like the best thing ever. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, you're like a kid it. again, you know, just like, oh, look at this. You know, I was walking around with my with no walker at my house. Um, I fell a couple of times. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, hey, you just got to get back up and, and keep at it, you know. Um, so is this. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Brian. Uh, so the doctors really didn't think you were going to walk again. Like they. Oh, no, not at all. So th- this and, really was a, this is a really big deal then that you're actually walking. I mean, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Well, when I went, it was about late April. I think it was April. I don't know why I remember April 23rd. I just remember that number. Um, I had a doctor's appointment with my surgeon. And he sees me in the uh, lobby and he goes, Aaron, where's your walker? And I said, it's in the trash. <laughs> right? <laughs> so he, he laughs. And, and obviously the people in the lobby didn't know what, what we were talking about. Um, so I get up and, you know, I'm not walking great, you know, I'm, I'm walking very slowly, but you know, without any help, he gets me in his office. He closes the door behind him and, uh, he teary eyed. He tells me, Aaron, he goes, I I can't believe you're walking. He goes, you're an example of a a good patient. Basically. I said, well, I go doc. There was no other, uh, option for me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that to me that, that there was no option my option was only to get you know back to walking and 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 working that was you know that was my thing it wasn't like a oh well let me see how this plays out and if it hurts too much then I'm gonna stop no you know you gotta kind of push through that pain and it was very painful I'm not gonna lie to you but um uh you know I did what I had to do to to get back and um yeah, I finally got back. It was about a year and a month later. I think I got back to full duty in 2018 of February, February of 2018. Um, okay. So, so yeah, a year and a month. Yeah. And I was still not 100%. My doctor was like, I don't want to release you on full duty. You're going to get injured again. And I was like, doc, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I need you to just, just work with me here. You know, I'll take it easy. I was like, I'll take it easy. <laughs> Um, wow yeah and and um so when i i I told him that i was gonna go back to full duty i told him you know i want to go back to working a dog you know that's what i'm fighting so hard for um so i there's this dog available you know they told me hey man there's a dog available at a different station we just want you to know that we don't want this dog here um He's already gone through three handlers and nobody can handle this dog. He's just very stubborn. And so me just getting back to full duty, I was like, man, I just, I I just, you know, uh, overcame something very, very difficult in my life. I I need something challenging. So I said, challenge accepted. Give me that dog. Nice. You know? Yeah. Way to get back on there. Right. Yeah. I had a a Humvee driver like that when I was a sergeant where nobody wanted him. Uh, the, guy, <laughs> the guy had been in the army longer than me. Uh, I was a sergeant. He was a private. He couldn't, uh, he kept getting busted for uh, alcohol and drug abuse and other oh, things. Uh, and and uh, let me tell you something though. I took it as just like you, I took it as a leadership challenge. I said, the yeah. day I, the day I graduate, and I won't say his name because he might listen to this podcast, <laughs> but he knows who he is. Uh, his name was, I'll say his first name. His name was Sean. And, uh, I graduate, they pin all my sergeant stripes. They said, hey, we're giving you your own truck. We believe you could do it. But we're giving you Sean as a driver. Leadership challenge. And I went, there you what? Go. <laughs> I went what the hell? Nobody wanted this guy. I mean, right. even, in the, even in the Army, I 
twice as long as me. Uh, but you know what? Nobody can drive a Humvee through the jungle like that dude. So there you anyway, go. Go yeah. ahead. So, I yeah, assume the know, dog was good too at the end of the story. Yes. Um, I just kind of adapted, improvised his, uh, his method. I, I realized right away that they were trying to work him like a shepherd or, or a Malinois. And he's a Chesapeake Bay retriever, uh, floppy deer dog, uh, very, very stubborn. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I just found out that he, you know, his style was a little bit different than the other dogs. And I was like, okay, well, nobody was willing to adapt to him, so they couldn't get him to work basically. So I kind of changed my style. I had a lot of fun with him because I thought he was real goofy. Um, he still is. He really is. Um, and man, he, well, with this dog, believe it or not, uh, I had more uh, narcotic seizures with him than he had with his previous handlers his entire career. And I had him for less than a year. Wow. Yeah. So you know, it goes to show that, yeah, even my super told me, he's like, man, you proved us wrong with this dog, right? Um, I Believe it or not, with this dog, I actually attained my second Blue Eagle oh, very uh, cool. award. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, you know, uh, uh, how can I say it? Like, running one your your career is... You know, you've made it. You've you've basically accomplished what you needed to accomplish in your career. So to get two is kind of like definitely uh, a, a big achievement. And um, but again, okay. So I'll rewind. I got my dog. I, I put a lot of effort into working him and getting him. And I was always in pain. I was always in pain. My knee was was just never getting better. Just never getting better. Um, and going back to work it was like i never left i was out for almost a year but it was like i never left you know same thing nitpicking the beard you know nitpicking your boots nip and, and, and if you see me i'm i always have my beard groomed they just didn't like that it was a little longer than everybody's you know yeah um so it was just like man did i really fight so hard to come back to this is this really it for me you know is this like is this all and, and it was probably my fault too I, I didn't set myself more goals but there was something inside of me that just let it was just itching for something different for something you know like I had already fulfilled my 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 uh my time there I guess um and it was a tough time. I, I, I don't want to say that I was depressed, but I was definitely going through a lot of stuff that people didn't see and I wouldn't, you know, tell people. Um, but I started listening a lot to Gary V. Um, Gary V, David Goggins, you know, all these great people that have done so much. Um, it's dangerous to listen to David Goggins. Yeah, it really is. Um <laughs> But I will tell you something, man. If you, if you have an open mind, you can definitely accomplish a lot, you know? I have his uh, book. I have his book sitting right here. I've listened to the audio version. Yes, yes. Multiple that's, times. That yeah. can't hurt me, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, so, you know, uh, I, I go to – I didn't want to go to the ceremony for this Blue Eagle. I didn't want to go. I told my wife I wasn't going to go. I actually told everybody I'm not going. Just send it to my house, right? Uh one of my good friends that's also a canine handler, he goes, bro, like, just go, dude. Like, 
do it for us, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when nobody gets one, much less two in their entire career, you know? So he kind of talked me into going. And uh, when I get there, uh, and my, my whole family's there, you know? I get there and a supervisor comes up to me and he's like, um, you're not supposed to be wearing this uniform. And I said, well, that's what the invitation says. He's like, well, well, they changed it last night. And I'm like, jeez, how the, you know, how was I supposed to know this? Nobody notified me. Yeah. Right. So I'm furious. Luckily I had some stuff in, in, in my parents' car that I was able to sw- change it out. So I'm already furious. Like seriously, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, it's a government for you. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I get up there, I take my award and, and I'm still upset. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It was just, it was not just one decision. It was just one, a lot of, everything was boiling over. Yeah. That really just, really just set it off for me. Um, we're driving back from, from, from the ceremony and, and my brother, my oldest brother calls and he's like, Hey man, sorry, I couldn't go. You know, I apologize. I'll be there. You know, he had already gone to the first one, but he said, sorry, I could, uh, and I'll go to the next one. I'm like, no, nah, there's not going to be a next one. Right. And I just hung up. You know, it's not his fault, but I did, right? Um, so my mom's like, what do you mean there's not going to be a next one? You said that the first time. And I said, no, mom, like, I'm done. When I verbalized that, when I, when I said it out loud, that's when it became real, that I was done. Um, so, you know, get back to, I got back to, to work or whatever and, you know, following days and i'm like well i don't have an education <laughs> you know right. what am i gonna do yeah right. like i verbalized that i don't want to go back or that I, not that i don't want to go back but that I, you know that i'm done and how many um, years did you have in at the time it was uh 12 years i believe so yeah 12 years it, 20... is there any kind of um like you don't get retirement, right? Like you no, just... there's no way to get. Re- yeah, there's there's no early retirement. Now, the only option that was presented to me was medical retirement due to my leg injury. And how'd that go? Well, I'm still I'm still actually in the process. Okay. Um, but the decision was made. You know, the decision to leave and take this route to leave uh, federal service yeah. was made. Okay. It wasn't an easy one. You know, it took a lot of prayer. <laughs> Let me ask you um, something about that. Do you think, yeah. I know you weren't happy in your current career, right? but do you think if you didn't have access to uh, Gary Vee and David Goggins, like, do you think if, if you weren't exposed to those guys, do you think you would have had the motivation to, to make the change? That's a very good question. I, I they definitely helped. Um, they, yeah, I, I, that's a very, very good question. I, I, I wish I could give you an answer, but I, I think, if, if I had to go ahead, go ahead, I cut you off. No, if I had to say, I'd probably say, I, I would probably say no, you know, um, because they were a very big part of it. Okay. Cause you know, I've asked that question before to other people in, mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, and it, it, the other, the other guest we had on this was last season, but it, it was it kind of pertaining to the military. And I always wonder, if we have access to so much information, we have access to so many different people, right? I almost, I mean, I, I struggle with that too in my own career. And it's like, I wonder if 
sometimes it's like it's a double-edged sword you know like if you weren't exposed to that if you didn't know that there were other things out there it you would almost be forced to um am i trying to say you'd be forced to kind of well this is this is the best i can do yeah kind of that you're right suck it up thank you for yeah (laughs) thank you for helping me but and i I think so because I, I, if you just go back a few generations of our parents, that's what they did. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you just stuck with it. Cause I like, exactly. I, remember, I remember my grandfather, you know, he was a Chicago policeman and you know, his, he was from the generation obviously. And even kind of my parents do a little bit where you just, you go to work, you get a job, you get your pension and then you retire and then you die. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that, that that was perfectly that was that was the dream for a long time that was the you know? ideal yes yeah. absolutely and it, it's yeah. it's changed so much now and i always struggle with that you know it's like it, it's so awesome that we have access to all these people and all this information but at the same time if you're not you can get overwhelmed you know and it's trust me i'm not uh, what you're doing is amazing there's no doubt and we definitely need to get into the, your businesses yeah. and stuff but um i'm just kind of saying that as a word of caution for people out there it's like you know you can you can very easily dive into the deep end of the pool and absolutely and drown yourself in information. So you really have to kind of take it in chunks and say, okay, you know, what do I want to do? What are my goals? How do I get there? Cause you can, you can just turn on that, that fire hydrant and get knocked, <laughs> yeah. knocked off your ass real easy just with, with so many options and, and so much stuff out there. So I just, yep. I just wanted to ask you that real quick, but. No, no, yeah, that, that's actually a very good question. I, I've never even asked myself that, and now I'm gonna. Once we're done, I'm gonna ask, keep asking myself that question because it's a very good question. Um, because again, they were a very big part of my decision, basically. Yeah. You know. So uh, was it was it before or after you started listening to those guys that you like? Let's let's talk about the coffee company, and then I think if if I remember right, or Icon Rifle Works kind of. That was kind of your first business venture, but yes. Where how did that play into you know Gary V and Goggins and all that stuff? Was that before or after? Like how did that? Let's, let's talk about that transition. I think it was right in the in that time frame. I I was in and because I, I, obviously, like I was saying, I don't have an education. What am I yeah. supposed to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, same here. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, do, you know applied. what though, Aaron? I I don't have a college education. Right. And I you know, I think Brian. Brian, did you go to college? Just for a little bit. Nothing to yeah. really brag about. So, <laughs> yeah. You know what you do have, though, is an education and hustle. Um, Correct. And, and the grind. I mean, the, right. name of your, the name of your coffee company says Correct. it all. And your mission statement says it all. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, there's a difference between right. being educated and having education. Correct. Uh, you know, you can pay all day to go to college, but there's some things you can't be taught in the classroom. So, well, you know, life, give yourself uh, credit. Well, you know, yeah, life and hard times will teach you a lot more than a book. Well, I, I, I always say, you know, it's amazing. And it just real quick, and I'll let you keep going, but yeah, I, I'm kind of, I think of that age where when I was growing up, it was still go to college and you'll be set. Right. That was kind of right. what I was trained when I was a kid. Right. And I, I still think I'm a kid, but obviously I'm not, but, um, uh, but now there was that weird gap where it was like, okay, got to go to college, got to go, got to go to college. Everybody went to college. Everybody got in all this debt. And now, like we were talking about, like there's so much information out there. I, I just happened to look at my overcast, which is a podcast player on my phone. Mm-hmm. And there's a setting on there. You can do like a smart speed thing. And 
the the smart speed thing says I saved like 1600 hours, right? Just by speeding up my podcast a little bit. So that means that in addition to all the podcasts I've listened to, I've gained an extra 1600 hours of information, right? Just from listening to podcasts. And that's incredible, right? Because that's yes. an education right there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I literally with a podcast, you can learn anything, right? There's a podcast for everything out there. Everything. I mean, naturally everybody should be listening to our podcast, but <laughs> naturally, <laughs> you know, we're not the experts on physics, but the point is like, this is a, a an amazing time. I bet you we could find a podcast though to explain physics. <laughs> well, oh, there's a hundred of them. Like you can yeah. take, I think MIT, I think they're still doing it. Like MIT puts some of their courses out in a podcast format, you know? So it's crazy. It's, it's a really incredible time. And it, you know, the reason we did this show is really to encourage people that are kind of like me really. And, you know, a little bit like Ben too, I guess I don't want to speak for him, but you know, there's, there's so much opportunity out there and I mean, you're the epitome of it. So that's the point is, you know, it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed, but the information is out there and whatever you, whoever's listening to this, if you're, if you're unsure, just take a step in one direction, you know, just pick something Mm -hmm. and it may be a dead end, but at least you're moving forward. At least you know what your mistakes are. And then you can kind of recalibrate, and pick a different path, but there's an infinite amount of, there are an infinite amount of paths out there for everybody. You just have to start that process, you know, and with podcasts and with everything else like you're doing, you know, it's, there, there's so much opportunity out there and I can't stress that, that enough, but I'm still well, thunder. <laughs> no, you know, let me, let me just take a moment too, you know, and I hope Aaron doesn't mind. Um, but if you go to his website for his coffee company, and we'll put all this out, but it's grindopscoffee.coffeeco.com. Uh, um, and you can get all that in the show notes. And uh, and he, he can put out his stuff in a minute. But his mission statement right on his front page is grind is a true American value rooted in hard work and perseverance. And it is lacking right now, period. It is a throwback to a time when we cherished hard work, but mostly reflects the life our generation still lives. Grinders are not insta-famous. We don't do side hustles. We work for a living, period. We rise and we effing grind. Like that is the epitome of everything we're talking about. It's the epitome of your life, Aaron. And Absolutely. and it's the epitome of, of the American dream. And that's, I mean, to my we're beating a dead horse, but you know, not everybody was meant to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not everybody was meant to be a doctor. Not everybody was meant to be a CEO, but today, even, even in the worst economy that we've ever seen in 6 million years, opportunity is out there. If you hustle, if you work hard, if you, you know, if you understand your product, if you, and most importantly, just like you just are telling us, you make the decision to to fulfill your dreams and yes. get after it. So anyway, I'm I'll get off my soapbox. So so you thought of so you 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 come to this decision. I'm done with the the structure of right. customs being a customs officer. Right. What were you already making guns on the side? I know we've talked about this because yeah. you and I are gun guys, but were you making them on the side, but not as a company yet? That is correct. I okay. started building stuff for friends and other competitors. And uh, and it was funny how, how that happened because it was all in this time frame um, that I was sitting in one of my arcane offices and, uh, you know, thinking, what the hell am I going to do? You know? <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, and uh, a buddy of mine walks in that I had just built him an AR-15 upper receiver, a custom one. And he comes in and he goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm really happy with the product that you built me. Dude, like this thing shoots awesome. It's very accurate, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, man, cool, man. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you enjoyed it. And he goes, dude, you should really think about doing your own thing. And then he walked out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Good uh, advice. It, it, no, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, I truly believe that, you know, God puts people in your, in your, in your path for a certain reason. You know what I mean? Um, this entire time I'm praying, praying, asking for some kind of guidance. And then here comes a friend that, you know, doesn't know what I'm going through on a personal level um, and tells me this. And he kind of just drops a little bomb and I'm, I'm serious. He just walked out and I was like, like this entire time has been in front of me, you know? Um, and that, that's really where I was like, all right, I shifted gears. I'm like, can I really do this? You know, I don't have the money for it, but the hell with it. You know, I'm going to do it. Um, I started calling companies to see who can manufacture my hand guards and little parts here and there and uh, developing relationships with these companies, um, mainly because I'm a small business and I'm not going to be ordering thousands of, you know, hand guards at one, at one time. So I had to keep my orders to a very minimum. Um, but it was at least to get my name out there and get started. Um, and it was surprisingly i you know i'm sitting there and i'm designing my logo i designed my own logo for for both companies um but i you know i'm like okay no i don't like it like this i'm going to change it a little bit and i would just sit there and it was you know hours just messing around with this oh let me play with different fonts and stuff like that um it was actually kind of fun to be honest um and then that was in- i gotta i gotta order one of these i gotta order one of these gold uh, bolt carrier groups. I'm looking yeah, at your webs. And I had just for medical retirement. Yeah. And um, the pandemic hit, right? Obviously, no fault to anybody. And this just the way it, it happened. Um, and parts were scarce. Uh, even I couldn't get a hold of any, any little parts or anything. Uh, so I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do now? Here I am retiring kind of put my whole thing in this uh you know rifle company right now what um so i kind of waited a few months i was all right I'll, you know hopefully it'll get better hopefully you know uh and then i just kind of started seeing the whole political climate changing and i was like uh, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna adapt and improvise you know uh and the, the whole coffee company was actually i had already thought of that prior to the rifle company but i just wanted to do guns more than coffee <laughs> uh it's cooler um do you think uh, you, i want to yeah. before you get into the coffee i want to ask you do you think um with the supply constraints and stuff had that not had the gun parts supply issue not been so prevalent do mm-hmm. you think you would have pursued the, the gun company more like do you think if the parts were easier to get and things like that do you think that would have yeah definitely okay yeah Definitely, because that's where all my focus was at the time. Um, like I said, the whole coffee company was in my sights. It just wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't uh, my priority. My idea was to have the coffee company as a side gig to gotcha. my, my rifle company. So if you buy, like, say, a gun part or a gun or whatever, 
I'll throw in some samples in there. That way you can just taste it. And if you like it, just go to the website and buy coffee. That was my idea, right? Um, but then again, like I said, things kind of changed. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the political climate kind of went in a different direction. And um, I said, you know what? Uh, let me just get started on this coffee company. And that's really what it was, was more importantly, it was, it was, a. I don't want to call it desperation, but it was definitely uh, something that I, I, I wasn't going to go back to being an officer, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But my decision was made that I was getting out. uh, um, I could have pulled my papers, my retirement papers. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to lie. I thought about it a handful of times. Uh, but again, you know, listening to these YouTube uh, videos of, of all these motivational speakers, I'm like, no, I made the decision. I'm going to go through with it, you know, one way or another. And uh, same thing, I, I, I got with different coffee companies to see who could work with me. And um, I, you know, designed my labels. I designed everything. I, 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 from everything from the way the coffee is roasted to the flavoring, everything's designed by me. Um, so, you know, if you get a Grand Ops coffee a product, uh, you, you know that I took my time and um, also pride went into designing that product. Okay. Yeah. I think that's an important point we need to touch on. You know, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people out there selling coffee where they just buy coffee from a wholesaler and throw it in a bag with their sticker on it and, right. and ship it out. But you're actually, you're roasting the beans, you're coming up with the recipes, you know, you're developing that specific flavor of your coffee. Uh, that is correct. And I, you have some really unique flavors. Like I think anyone out there needs to go check them out. I mean, it's smooth operator. I think is uh, yeah. one of my favorite names, but um, can you talk about your flavors and stuff? Because I'm really impressed with all the effort that you yeah, put so, into these, these these coffees. Yeah, so the names are like uh, Rise and Grind. Uh, that's your basic Colombian coffee, and that's why I named it Rise and Grind. You know, hey, we're going to get up in the morning and, and drink your morning coffee and get your, get to your daily grind. You know, whether it's working out or, you know, working Whatever it is, that's your morning basic coffee. That one's got no flavoring or anything like that. So that's just your regular like black coffee then? Correct, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is Colombian sourced, um, or a single origin. And then Smooth Operator, uh, that's uh, 100% Arabica beans, um, medium roast, and with a little bit of cinnamon in it. It's just enough to give it a little bit of a, a, a flavor. It's not overwhelming. But more importantly, with the combination of that Arabica, the way it's roasted and the cinnamon, it's just very smooth. Okay. Everybody that drinks it, they're like, man, the, the name is true. To, uh, the flavor is true to its name. It's just a very smooth coffee. Um, and that's actually what I wanted. I, I, I personally don't like, you know, robust coffees or very uh, bitter coffees. Um, and then you have shots fired. So shots fired is I named it shots fired because uh, it's uh, fused with bourbon and pecan, so it's kind of like shots of bourbon. Um, and that one is a is that will get your whole kitchen smelling uh, like pecan and bourbon. Uh, it's a very flavorful. It's actually one of my best sellers. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah. like I'm on the website right now. It looks like it's sold out. That is correct. Yes, it's sold out at the moment. Now, is that so, a, with the, with your different flavors, uh, do they lend themselves to a particular uh, brewing process? Like, is there one that you should put in a French press versus espresso? Or are they all good for any, know, any type? As far as I'm, I'm concerned right now, the only one that I haven't played around with too much is the uh, espresso uh, grind, which is very fine grind. Okay. I actually have somebody taste testing it. Uh, well, he got it in today. So he's going to give me a report back within a few days. Um, so that's the only one that I haven't played around with. So I, 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 am actually curious myself to see how well it's going to do on that fine grind. Um, but it, these all lend itself to pretty much any type of, I've used the French press, uh, Keurig, uh, I'm a Keurig guy <laughs> as funny as it sounds, but if being a coffee dude, but mainly because I'm always on the go, right. um, but French press uh, pour overs are excellent, are just excellent. They're very time consuming too. So, you know, it's really up to you. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to taste it and I'm not trying to brag. It is very good. Yeah, um, I'm going to order some as soon as we're done here. I'm going to check this yeah. out. Um, and so the last one is frag out. Um, and that one, I named it frag out. It's more like an explosion because you're right before you throw a grenade, you, you know, you, you yell frag out. So, and this particular one is, uh, it's got uh, extra caffeine in it. So it's good. It get ready for that explosion of energy, basically. That's Very kind cool. of the, you know, yeah. Um, and it's got a little bit of a caramel flavor to it. Not a lot. It's very little. Um, it, that's actually my personal favorite. That's the one I drink every day, uh, but mainly because I need caffeine. <laughs> um, can, you get it no, in, but, uh, can you get it in beans or do you want not to do yet grind? i'm working on 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 whole beans right now and i'm working on on a finer grind for the espresso if i if if everything works out well i'll, I'll have those up fairly soon actually Perfect. and i'm actually working on curing cups as well the k cups yeah okay uh, yeah you and i talked offline about this at, at some point but yes i don't think people know what goes into starting and managing a coffee company i mean there is yeah. so many different uh it just it, so many different just you know where you get your beans from where you yes. or what you know what you're talking about you know like how do i how do i get my bags where you know how do i keep it fresh for the customer mm -hmm. do they do you want ground do you want it in the cups do you want it in you know because you're talking about two different things you know with with beans and with ground coffee mm -hmm. by the pound you're getting uh, there's a different shelf life than with the Keurig. That's correct. Cups, the yes. K cups. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's such a, a intricate business that it's uh, uh, you know, I'm, logistical it's nightmare. Let me tell yeah, you. yeah, it's amazing to me. <laughs> uh, we've looked at it for our company to partner up and do some things with um with Modus Nation on some coffee deals. Okay, and, you know, you and I have talked about. Yes. it looks like a wine tasting when you're trying to figure out what bean you want to use mm -hmm. are they consistent and you know it's crazy so yes it's it's a it, it's a very tedious process but i think at the end of uh, at the end of the day it's if you take your time it's well worth it oh yeah there's so many yeah. companies out there these pop-up companies yes. that uh, don't care about the actual coffee and i know i know you do uh, yes so it makes me, you know, I think, I think our house is only going to be drinking 
Uh, there you go. Yeah, grind up. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, there was a lot of steps taken and, um, you know, people have received it well. That's the important thing. Um, I, I'm not a guy that's going to take, you know, if you want give me bad feedback, I need to know it. You know what I mean? Because uh, anything that, like I said before, that if it's got my name on it, basically my brand, um, I want it to be a good product. You know, you know, obviously flavor and everything that's subjective and everybody's going to have different, uh, you know, uh, feedback for, well, I don't particularly like cinnamon. Well, okay, well, don't get the cinnamon one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe you uh, should have ordered the one that has the notes of caramel. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just throwing that out there, not trying to be sarcastic, but, you know, um, I think that's one of those things. But, um, yeah. Uh, actually, I just got some news, uh, good news, uh, on Saturday. Uh, a local gun shop here wants to carry my coffee. Awesome. Um, how did you, uh, yeah. how'd that come about? Let's hear that. Well, I know a friend that used to work there. Okay. He's actually a competitor. And we were talking about it. He's like, hey, man, I know the owner. Like, do you want me to talk to him? And I was like, uh, I go, not really, right? Like, thanks, but I'm still trying. Not, and I don't mean it that way, but I meant more like, let me get going, you right, know? Right. Let me get going. Well, I ended up running into the owner, and my buddy's like, hey, get him some samples. He, he'll buy some samples off for you. I was like, dude, I gave him a bunch of samples just for free. Like, here you go, man. If you don't like it, I'm cool with it, you know? So he was going to give it to his buddies that all drink coffee and stuff yeah. like that. And, and sure enough, my buddy called me on my, on Saturday, which was my birthday. Um, he ends up calling me and he goes, hey, man, I got something for you. And I was like, okay, well, talk to me. What's, what's up? I didn't even know what he was talking about. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, this company wants to, or this gun shop wants to carry it. And I was like, are you serious? He goes, yep. I was like, well, that's the best present I've, I've gotten so far. Um, definitely a very uh, exciting time because now – you know, that brings a whole logistical issue too. you know, making sure that they get supplied. And, um, but I'm yeah, learning so, as I'm going. So what's a good issue? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But that's a good point though, is growth. can be a challenge also. So what mm-hmm. you don't have to get specific. I don't need any right. uh, proprietary information, but, um, how has that changed your, your business when you are now taking retail into consideration? Like what have you done to, to prepare for that? Well, more importantly, you need to have be able to make sure you can fund your your little project you know what i mean because that money is not going to come from them you know right away let's just say right um so luckily i i i do have enough money to cover those costs and i'm i'm actually going to get some custom made uh stands just to put my coffee in it like i don't want it just on a shelf i want to be able to stand out a little bit so um yeah, that, uh, as far as anything else, it's, you know, I just told them to bear with me because now I need time, you know, now I need more product, you know, now I got to be able to manage what I'm selling on through my website, what I can manage on, you know, on a uh, point of sale, and then now them, you know what I mean? That is definitely, and then keep in mind that I still have to go to work eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm still technically not retired. Uh, my my paperwork is submitted, but uh, you know we work on government time. So, um, yeah. with whenever basically they decide. So that's going to be another decision. You know that I'm going to have to take is you know, am I going to wait and go to eight hours and 
basically can't do anything from there um, or just say the hell with it. I'm leaving. And uh, you know, if my paperwork comes in cool, if it doesn't, you know, that's another issue. Right. But um, hopefully, hmm, hopefully I hear something soon. Yeah. I hope so. Well, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of a dilemma. You know, it, you have the security of the job, but at the same time, it's like, if you didn't have the job, you'd have more time to devote to your business. You know, exactly. That's, that's a tough one. It, it, and that's an answer you can never really know for sure. You know, cause it's no, and only time tells on that one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I am grateful for this job. Don't get me wrong. You yeah. know, despite whatever it's, it's, uh, you know, been for me, um, it's definitely given me the funds to do this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I can't, I'm not complaining, but you know, now I'm to the point where I do want to grow. I'm a little bit more ambitious. Yeah. I see where there's potential. And, and so that decision is, is definitely uh, coming up pretty soon. Well, I know it's a tough one, but I, I can say, Hold out as long as you can because of that medical retirement yeah. is going to be a huge help. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, no, that'd be, I that'd be hard you. to pass up. Yeah, but I, I can I can understand yeah. your dilemma because it's yeah time is very yeah, valuable. Sometimes I, I yeah I'm sitting there eight hours I'm like oh my god like I'm getting a call from somebody I got things to take care of yeah. but you know I guess that I chose that you know I, I I made that decision knowing full well that these are the things that were going to come up and and like and like y'all said these are good problems to have you know, yeah yeah, for yeah. Sure. so aaron aaron if you could uh, you know our listeners we're always trying to get out there and and uh inspire listeners i think mm-hmm. your story has been amazingly inspirational um i mean if there if, if we haven't had a guest that was more qualified to punch people in the gut and say hey get out there and make a decision uh, change your life. Uh, you're it. Um, but if there was one piece of advice, if, you know, far, if we have a listener out there that's sitting on the fence in some job that they may have loved at one time, but don't love it so much. Now they want to get out and open their own business or they want to start working out and lose weight, whatever that is. Is there one piece of advice that you could give, you know, uh, off the top of your head to our listeners that would maybe and help somebody make that decision or if they're going to make that decision, you know, what some of those first steps would be. Absolutely. Uh, first thing I'll say, do it. Don't think about it twice. It's yeah. a great piece uh, of advice. Yeah. I, I, it's simple, but uh, I, I wish I would have listened to myself and other people, uh, you know, back in at some point in my life. Um, but now that I'm going through it, it's, it's my wife sees it. She says, you're so much happier. You're so much, you know, so yeah. even though I'm busy, um, it's definitely changed me in a, in a very good way. Um, it, it, I'm not so hotheaded anymore and, you know, go figure that something like this would just change. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah absolutely. Just do it. Uh, you know, find something that you enjoy. And that's kind of what Excuse I did. Me. That's kind of what I did was, I, I, I said, okay, well, I don't like jobs. I don't want to work for somebody, but I do love working on guns. I love coffee. Why am I not yeah. going to pursue something like that? You know, you know what our biggest, you know, human nature, we, uh, self-deception and, um, and, uh, you know, change hesitant, hesitant, I can't even say the word. Hesitancy. Change, 
Yeah, hesitant of that word <laughs> that to word, change. Yeah. <laughs> to change. I told you I'm dumb. Uh, to change, uh, you know, is is our biggest. I think in in not just starting a business, but just in everything we do, right? Yeah. You know, I, I was in sales, right? That call, uh, you know, reluctance. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you think of every. I, I, we're going back to David Goggins, right? His whole right. book. His whole book is about. Get out of your own head, you know, Mm -hmm. stop telling yourself that because you're going to come up with a million reasons why you don't want to go out and start your coffee company, create a company to build custom rifles, because that's what you love to do. Right. right. You know, you're in the rut, you know, and and there's a million of you out there, but you're one, you know, you're a diamond in the rough because you you just did it. Right. So also, you don't know what you have in you until you're in that. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, you know, do it. Use every resource available to you. Right now, there's so many resources um, available. Uh, talk to people, uh, you know. Yep, more importantly, more importantly, whatever, you know, your religion is. Like, I, I talk to my pastor a lot, you know. Um, he gives me some great advice, you know. Prayer, do what you need to do, but make that decision and do it, you know. Yeah, get your mind uh, right. Yeah, Absolutely, because uh, you can be in the gutter all, all, you know, this entire time and just never get yourself out. But uh, just one step forward and you'll be surprised uh, that was just that one step. By the time you know it, you're already taking 10 steps and you didn't even realize it. Yeah, exactly. So definitely. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, hey, as we're uh, as we're wrapping up here, we could we could talk to you for hours, man. This has been awesome. but uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Can you um, can you let everybody know where they can find you, um, social media, website? Because um, I know people are going to want to buy your coffee. They're going to want to follow you because you're you're an awesome dude, um, and obviously make you know great products. So let everyone know where they can uh, they can find you. Then we can uh, we can wrap up and uh, say goodnight. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, you can go to my website, grindopscoffeecold.com. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, also, uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, grindops all together underscore and then coffee co all together. Okay. Uh, you'll see my logo. You'll see my my uh, my I guess my page. And then for Icon Rifle Works, I do not have a website. It's under construction at the moment. I'm still playing with that. Um, but I do have an Instagram, and you know. If you guys want to follow me there, it's uh, Icon Rifle Works all together, and then you'll see a spade, uh, and that that's me. Um, and yeah, uh, also for any listeners, you guys as well, uh, if you go to my website and you put uh, discount code uh, Team Nothing Owed, uh, you get a twenty percent off, uh, and that's you know that's going to be open for anybody that that's listening or anybody who wants to use it. You guys are more than welcome to use it. I made that specifically for for you guys. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Cool, man. It's, it's been a real pleasure. And the one thing I wanted to say real quick, I know we're running out of time here, but um, also on your website, the grind ops coffee co uh, you also support the uh, mission canine, which is a really cool thing. That's correct. Yeah. I know we didn't, we didn't really get, (laughs) get into it too much, but yeah. For anyone out there, please, um, Grind Ops Coffee, obviously check that out. But also, too, on the website, uh, check out the Mission Canine Rescue 
uh, they're doing some some great things with those dogs. Um, they're actually giving them homes instead of putting them to sleep. So please check that out. Yeah, Support it, them. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I forgot to mention that. And that was another thing when, when I was making this whole decision to, to leave. It was – I've been rewarded with so much in my life and been blessed. Uh, even through my injuries, you know, it could have been much worse. Um, this was – one thing that I wanted to really do was give back. Yeah. And, you know, I, I found uh, these guys, uh, which is a canine – uh, Mission Canine Rescue, and I like what they're doing. I love what they're doing. Um, definitely support them. Um, and so if you buy the coffee sampler, that uh, 100% of the proceeds goes directly to them. We don't keep a cent of it. That's just a little way, our way of saying thank you to, to this organization. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, because they're, they do a lot more than, than, than people think. And, uh, it's just a great way of giving back to them uh, for us. Yeah, that's great. And I like to, I just wanted to mention that because, you know, obviously you're a new company, but, um, you know, anyone that takes the time to, to give back right from the start, obviously is, is super important to us. Um, I know Ben and and Lindsay have been doing that, you know, pretty much since the start of, of Modus. And that's awesome. You know, you guys have every reason in the book to, to not do that, not to donate because obviously you're working to build your brands, but you know, to give back right from the start is, is awesome. So I always like to give a shout out to people that, that do that. So, Absolutely. um, like I said, it's, uh, it's been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're an awesome guy. Um, obviously you make great products. I'm going to order some coffee right now, hmm. but, um, that's funny. You're going to order coffee. I think I'm going to get one of those, uh, those, uh, bolt carrier groups. Oh yeah. The titanium nitrate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're a gun nut he has he has it five five six uh it's it's it looks gold plated uh sick sick bolt carrier group so go check out I, I his website's not up yet it's uh but you can sign up for the newsletter if you go to his uh just google uh icon uh right. rifle works but uh follow him on social media go on social media check out icon rifle works he's got some um some pretty cool stuff so yeah, and if you guys have any, you know, any any kind of requests, I just hit me up or or you know, send me a message through through Instagram, and I use, I'm really good at responding. So um, yeah, you know, that's right now I'm keeping it to a point where I can manage it, uh, right. the builds and stuff like that, versus uh, not being able to obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I, as a matter of fact, I just built a few of them for some DEA agents, so that was pretty cool. Cool. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, we should actually, we should do a separate show on the, uh, just the rifles because we could talk for yeah. hours about that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Hey, it's, <laughs> I know we keep saying it, but, uh, I want to, I want to let you go. Cause I know we've, we've taken up a lot of your time, but, uh, I mean, at this time, it's been a pleasure, um, signing off for, uh, <laughs> for Aaron, Ben, this is Brian saying good night. Thank you for listening to the uh, the Nothing Note podcast, and we will uh, we'll catch you guys soon. All right, bye everybody. <laughs>